far, Christopher? Oh, I, I'm doing all right. You have could you, you, that was, you looked like that. You felt like that was a trap. I mean, everything feels like a trap. <laughs> That's valid. I appreciate that about you. Always yes. on your guard. Yep. So, everybody, it's me, Katie Soros. Do you want to do one? Hi, it's me. I'm Chris. You don't have, you don't have, like, you gotta get, a, you gotta get a, a snappy username. Young Santa. You got a young Santa. Uh, hi, everybody, it's me, Katie Soros. And hi, it's me. Young Santa. There you go. A.K.A. Chris. <laughs> Welcome back to Infinite Quest. So this week on the podcast, uh, my friends, we're doing something that we've never uh, done before, which is we're, we're sitting down, we're having an intimate, an intimate conversation with Katie. Intimate conversation. Intimate, an intimate conversation. Intimate. 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 Uh, I will. I am going to intimate. I'm going to just edit that so I have the lowest voice and I win because I get to edit this after. So automatically. I'm That's gonna... cheating. But anyway, so we're <laughs> sitting down uh, and we're having a conversation with me and my husband because he's cool. We, well, I like him. Okay. Hi, I, I, I like to think that I'm cool. It's, I'm not cool. But here's the but... thing that happened. I Can I tell the story about what just happened? Because it was really wholesome. Sure. So, okay. Now, part of the story is Chris admitting that he absolutely doesn't listen to my podcast. <laughs> Admit it, you son of a bitch. You only listen to your episodes, don't you? But so basically, poor, dear, lovely, sweet, wonderful, wholesome, kind husband Chris was like trying to be like really supportive. And he's like really excited to be on the podcast. And so I started like giving him questions and he starts answering like I'm Walter fucking Cronkite giving these like fucking like Oprah answers. And I was like, Chris, what if I told you you could just like talk to me like I'm a person? No. And then but then and then Chris said, and this makes it even more wholesome. Chris was like, well, yeah, but like I'm trying to figure out like where you're going with all of this because like, you know, it just doesn't feel like you're leading up to anything. And I was like, oh, because I forgot you don't have ADHD. So, like, you expected this to go somewhere. Yeah. And I'm... it was the most best thing. Because everybody we interview has ADHD. And so nobody has ever, like, said that before. Nobody's ever been like, have you ever noticed that, like, you guys just fucking, it doesn't lead anywhere? And we're like, yeah, because it's an infinite quest. We're just here to, like, vibe and chat. So I we, had seek... to, we had to stop and start over. I seek to make order out of chaos. You do, which I admire very much about you. And, but so basically, a lot of people ask us, what is it like to have a neurodivergent spouse? Or what is it like to, you know, how do you navigate a neurodivergent relationship? Well, Chris and I, we've been navigating that relationship for nine, nine? Almost nine. Yes. Nine, I got it right, years. And so, uh, yeah, we're just, just Chris is here. So we're going to like hang out, we're going to talk to Chris. Yeah. Cool. I'm here. Let's hang. You're doing a really good job so far. I'm so know. cool. Again, <laughs> I'm I'm really charming and personable. Again, it's a product of my autism. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, actually, it's really interesting because, like, one of the things that we talk a lot about on the podcast is, like, my experience of growing up not knowing that I had, like, ADHD or depression. But Eric knew. Like, Eric knew yeah. that it was part of his thing. So, what, how, like... My input aside, how did you start like putting the pieces together and like looking back, do you have like any red flags and like holy shit, like how did they not notice? 
Oh, I mean, in terms of my own neurodivergency? Yeah, like, I want to talk about you I first. mean, like, I, I think in terms of myself, uh, I mean, I, I look back at a lot of my adolescence, and it's a lot of, like, going to school dances and then ending up outside with my head in my hands because the music was too loud and it was too crowded, and I got both socially and, like, um, uh... Sensorially? Sensorially overwhelmed yeah uh and and i would just like go and curl into a ball in the stoop outside of school oh and it's God. like oh no that's that's maybe not a normal reaction I mean, to have i mean there would be like um, a lot of kids on the ground if it was normal yeah it's just like a, you walk out the no, door there's just no, a sea of children no it's just me alone <laughs> oh, on the stoop <laughs> oh i love you so much i'm sorry that happened uh so so there's there's little things like that there's certainly um i mean well there's a new york trip too right yeah i mean and and of course like i've you know i often say that that particularly understanding what i know of myself now like i built up a lot of tolerances that I know some people struggle to build, struggle to, to tolerance of systems. I built systems that, yeah. that not even knowing that I was building and not even knowing what I was doing. But like when I, my first trip to New York City was very much a every, every noise is too loud. Every light is too bright. There's too many people. There's too many, too many things. I, I was overstimulated at every turn. Um, and so, so those sort of things mixed with like struggling with with certain, I mean, basic social interactions yeah. with with other kids my age. Um, I was always the kid that was far more interested in a book than I was other people. Um, girl mood. Oh uh, yeah, sweet. absolutely sweet. sweet sweet girl mood. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, lots of little things. Um, certainly, uh, I can also like, I've always been a person to have like hyperfixations or, or have, have things that, that, um, uh, I, I, I've always loved to collect things, yeah. whether it's comic books or Pokemon cards or not Magic the Gathering cards. Chris, uh, uh, very quickly, just an informal poll. How many Magic the Gathering cards, conservative estimate? Like physical Magic the Gathering cards. How many Magic the Gathering cards do you own? Too goddamn many. Like, you, you just put a number on it, Chris. Just put on a number on it for me. Maybe just like a full. Would you say over or under a million? No, fuck. Well, under a million. I feel like you have a million. No, I feel like you have a million. I think you're underestimating how many a million is. That, well, I don't know. I looked in your game room and it looks like underestimate. So I'm very good at math. So you know this about me. I have Very I have seven boxes that are full of the seven the, the big white boxes. Yeah, those are five thousand card boxes. Okay, so and I have you have a million cards. Eight of them. <laughs> so that's so many cards. That's at least forty thousand cards plus <laughs> a whole bunch of others. That's really impressive. So what do you do with probably all of them? Eight fifty. Uh, most of them just sit around most of the time. I'm being honest. About I want I want you to teach me how to play Magic the Gathering better because like I know the basics, but I want to get better at it. Yeah, and then I, that way I we can like hang out and be your cool hot yeah. wife. At you can be Gathering. you can be my two headed giant buddy. That's is that like into the woods? Yes, giants in the sky.
No, we're not. Okay, we're not. We're not doing this. You just you gave me nothing. You gave me nothing. I mean, I I didn't. I was really hoping we were going to have like an Into the Woods moment. You, you. Well, uh, you're a theater person, Christopher. I am, but Into the Woods is not one that I was ever particularly part of my repertoire. Really? No. You'd be such a good Jack. I would be. You'd be a really good Jack. You would also be a very good. Um. Oh shit. What's the name of it? The the fucking the guy. From... I'd be the baker. No, not the ba- not from Into the Woods. The one about Christmas. The one about the one Christmas? man show. Oh, Santa Land Diaries. Yeah, you would be amazing in Santa Land Diaries. I'm furious that you haven't been cast in Santa Land Diaries. Yeah, yet. I mean, trust me, it's, it's you'd be so good. Yeah, I feel it. In my bones. <laughs> also, if you don't know what Santa Land Diary is, uh, dear listeners, please go look it up. Uh, it's a very good one man show about a cr- angry Christmas elf. It's also a pretty decent. Uh, short story. It was a short story before it was a. Oh yeah, I always forget. Wasn't it like a newspaper? It was an. It was an thing? essay. It yeah. wasn't. A, it wasn't really a newspaper thing. It was an essay written by David Sedaris. Well, speaking of what it's like to be my husband, do you like that? Sometimes I just segue and then I just act like. Yeah, I was about to say that. You look really discombobulated. This, this feels like that. That doesn't feel like a segue. I mean, just not speaking of being your husband. It's like we weren't even talking about. It. You're right. A lot of people do ask us about what it's like to be. See, that's what you do. You just act like that's what you're talking about. It's nobody. They always notice, but I just do it anyway because it's easy. Yeah. Uh, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, I know what I was gonna say. So, okay. So one of the one of the things that we get asked a lot, we get asked a lot about like, how do you take care of like your neurodivergent spouse? But we are in a very interesting. I don't want to say predicament because I don't consider it a, pre- a predicament, but like, what is the word? Like arranged, like not arrangement. Cause that sounds political. Like we're in a situation, <laughs> a cacophony of neurodivergencies, perhaps I like that. Um, but you're neurodivergent. I'm neurodivergent, but in different ways. Yes. So, I mean, I guess like moving out of kind of like that discussion of like, you know, when you were a kid and like, now you're like looking back, like what were the systems that, you developed like how did you come up with those solutions how did you find those it's going to come back around later because i know you really want a nice little loopy loopy oh, boy i'm I making effort it. here for you i don't I'm believe making... you for a fucking I really second am. i have I a don't. plan chris trust the process it scares me <laughs> i am i am afraid wait till um, you start bu- uh, start i wait until i start building book like built-ins downstairs then you're gonna really teach you about trust the process i know uh, so, like, I mean, some of it just comes down to to growing tolerances and and growing um, understanding that, um, at, like, one of the biggest moments of my life. This didn't come until college, um, but was I had a moment where I was miserable, I was very unhappy, and. I was going through some life stuff. I was going through some relationship stuff. I was struggling with school. Uh, I was struggling socially. And I had this moment where I, like, rather than continue to, like, like, it was a Friday night and it was like, I don't, I don't feel like going out. I don't feel like being social. I don't want to be around people. Like, I, like, I'm shutting down, shutting in. I, I was imploding i and it's something every now and then i'll do still nowadays like if i'm having a bad time um i i implode and it's it's absolutely an autistic sort of reaction um and 
I realized, though, in the midst of this particular implosion that um, if I didn't push beyond some of my apprehensions, my fears, my insecurities, and and just generally some of the blocks that I'd set for myself, if, if I couldn't move out of my comfort zone um, enough to get me out of that room, I knew that my life was not going to get better. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, maybe the better way to put it is that, that I knew my life wasn't going to get better unless I could do that. Yeah. Um, and, and I just like, I just realized that. And I, I literally like, it's not really a system, but I, I've resolved, like, I'm not going to, to like, sit in my room and mope, I'm going to go down to the dorm lounge and sit and mope. <laughs> and yeah, there might be other people around and yeah, I don't really feel like doing that right now. Um, but I need to get out and I need to to try and and do something that isn't continuing to implode. Uh and it was it was life changing, you know. It, like, and, and I'm I know that check all my privilege that that it's not as easy for everyone to just be able to shrug off their insecurities and their problems and their emergencies and um, rise above them. Well, I don't think that's what you're saying. Like, I think what you're saying is your system, the thing that works for you, was like finding a way to exist on your own terms but like in spaces where there were other people so like you gradually grew your comfort zone i don't think you're saying that like all you have to do is like suck it up and you'll be fine but like for you it took like going into different places and like you know like getting yourself out of your room which but that might not necessarily be right for somebody else but for you that's what worked oh sure yeah right. and, and it this was... is just about you you don't have to speak for like the group I oh yeah i mean you. all all opinions are are uh my own i do not speak for the brand or the company <laughs> okay um, he's faster right um but okay so th so that was like kind of what you were doing to like like expand your horizons in terms of like your comfort zone and like your you know like your mental health but like what about like actual systems like day-to-day -day stuff like how did you figure out how to like work around power tools when like the noise can be really overwhelming like how did you learn to like adapt in those ways um i mean some of it came down to just knowing like you know you you establish and some of its good practices or bad practices um but you know you wear head you know you're you're working with a heavy a loud power tool you use your plugs or wear headphones um i mean you you you're you dear listeners you cannot see it but chris just made his like dismissive hand gesture but like that's a real thing it's like that is a tool that is a strategy it doesn't make it any less like valid just be i'm seeing i'm I'm pushing you. You get a podcast push. Sure. Because it doesn't make it less valid. It just makes it the thing that works. Like, you know, because you could just as easily say, oh, I don't wear ear protection because like, you know, people work behind me and I want to stay safe, but I'll step outside. So yeah. for you, your system is, you know, ear protection or whatever it may be. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think, I mean, I, you know, and maybe, maybe going back to it and, and like, this is, this is, I mean, well, and, and you have to understand, I am you know, adult diagnosed. Yeah. 
And so there's a certain extent to which a big part of my systems is um and and how I learn to to survive and exist in this world that that isn't made for neurodivergent people is through um oh erosion <laughs> i mean, what I, do like, you mean by that? like like just just um or or um uh immersion that's oh. it immersion therapy I was, I was or immersion like, erosion like, like, is a fascinating illusion but you meant immersion well it could be both honestly <laughs> like i like i mean i honestly Eroding like your both. barriers um because because and and i think both works because uh i think both terms can work because there's a certain extent to which um and and this this delicate balance to it but like i think there's a certain extent to which the world uh, you know i had barriers that i'd set up that were some of which were probably a product of and again it's hard for me to distinguish because i was a kid at yeah. the time and, and so a lot of it is when i'm looking back at that it's like I don't know. I was, I was 10. I was in, in overwhelmed. Um, but like I had certainly set up certain barriers that were keeping me from something resembling normal existence. Um, and, uh, whether or not that those barriers existed because I was neurodivergent or were things that developed as a result of my neurodivergency, like, you know, just like a side effect. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. Uh, and then like whether or not that, um, and then, and then there's whole other hosts of things that just, I didn't have a tolerance for because of my neurodivergency. Yeah. Um, and so I think my process and a lot of my systems came down to both slowly putting, you know, immersion that, simultaneously like taught me tolerances taught me patience taught me taught me how to cope taught me how to accept things on my terms and approach things on my terms um uh, within the world as it existed outside of myself rather than just the world that exists within myself um and then the erosion was taking that the step further that is and also bringing down the barriers that i'd set for myself letting them slowly wear away um, until I'd learned that the things that those, those systems, you know, because, because isolating can be a system in itself, you know? And so learning to, to wear through that, um, eroding through that, that barrier, that system and finding something else. Well, a healthier system. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, so then, like, see, remember when you were like, there's no way you're going to bring this back around? Ha ha! Checkmate! That's the one where you win, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> checkmate! Um, this so is what, how we learn that Katie doesn't know how to play chess. I don't know how to play chess. Eric has tried to teach me. I know you've tried to teach me. My dad tried to teach me. My grandpa tried to teach me. I'm terrible at chess because I can't think like four moves ahead because I get distracted. And then That's if fair. they don't do what I think I'm going to do, I get offended because my idea was usually better. <laughs> uh, but okay, so you spent a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort 
like building these systems. And like, what's really interesting, I think about you is that you are a very like slow and steady person. Like this wasn't like something that you did overnight. This was like years and years and years of very slowly coming out of your comfort zone. Then fucking Hurricane Kate shows up and is like, fuck it we're going we're stealing a yacht let's go we own a murder mystery company now let's go like what so how did you as somebody who often is resistant to change love you oh you know that's true oh absolutely as somebody who is resistant to change as somebody who struggles with change who can also you are literally the most opposite you're like unoutgoing there's like you're not even like introverted you're just unoutgoing but like, how did you, how did you mitigate that? And how did you work to develop systems where like we, like, and this is where, you know, I can talk about like the way that we communicate, but how did you, how did you start doing that? How did you, how did you get over that? Cause I feel like that had to be really hard for you. I mean, it, it, it can be, it, is it, it still is. You just come home and the whole house is like painted a new color. Um, Hello. There, there are, there are certainly still times I won't, I won't deny it, but there, there are times where. Something happens and I go, why is this this way? Why? Why? Sometimes why? you just need to replace the bathroom floor. Okay. Yes. Sometimes it just happens. Um, it just kind of was my fault. The bathroom floor just was looked at me funny. I, it had to. It had to be taken care of. Um. No, I mean, like I, I am certainly resistant to change. It is. It is one of those things that that is part of how my brain works and it's not a particularly good part of how my brain works and it's I'm a willing... perfectly fine way because it's how your brain works sure stop being um, mean to yourself not here this is no being mean to yourself don't except freaking me don't you fucking write i see you starting that email i see you don't do it don't zucchino put down okay all right we're going back to the don't leah leah Okay, back to the podcast. Every, everyone's just sending nice emails to Katie. Don't do that. Um, no nice emails. Yeah. Uh, so, it, I, I'm not saying it isn't a struggle. Um, or, or it can't be at times. Um, I think one of the most basic and stupid parts of it is I'm in love. Aww. So we just make it work? Yeah, I mean that's that, whole like that's 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 a that's an oversimplification. But like you are <laughs> the worst. No, you you balance me. Aw, like I I'm aware of my faults and imperfections. I don't always see them as faults and imperfections, or I you know that's maybe not the right way to put it. But like I. I know, like, one of the things I know that I struggle with is binary thinking. I'm a yes or no person. <laughs> you mean, like, how you thought there was right answers to the podcast questions? Yes. That was so wholesome. Um, I didn't realize that I should have thought about it. I should have, because, like, I didn't look at it from your perspective, and that was my mistake. Because in my head, I'm like, well, yeah, you also did at some some point in, intimate that you had somewhere that you were going with the questioning. Oh, yeah, but then I forgot where I was going. Yes. That's just what that was. Um, uh, like, I, I suffer from binary thinking and it's something that I struggle with. And part of, you know, some of that binary thinking is, is going, well, it's either this or this and that's it. That's, that's the only acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, I know that the world is full of shades of gray and I can fundamentally understand that doesn't make it easier for my brain to accept that sometimes. 
Um, uh, now that said, it's not, uh, you know, I, I think that you are the, you're my shades of gray. Like, <laughs> all 50 of them. Um, uh, you, you are the, the thing that helps me understand the alternatives. That, that you, you, and, and you, you, you bring out, uh, like, and yeah, some of it is Stop like. Stop saying I'm, nice stuff about me on my own podcast. I'm just dare you. along for the ride, but that, like, <laughs> like, you uh, are and have always been the sort of person that, um, if I weren't the way that I am, I would want to be. What? Well, like, I struggle with so much that to you seems like it's always been easy. Maybe you're just being performative at it as well. Uh, but, like, you're good at talking with people. You're good at putting yourself forward to talk with people. You um have have creativity and energy and vibrancy again this is too much nice stuff about me on my own podcast how dare you i know it's, it's terribly inappropriate not here true. not now stop you're gonna make me cry I just... we're supposed to be talking about communication and like building strategies not just like saying nice things about me well, and, and like, I mean, but the, this is, this is the real truth of it. And you know, this me bring my turn, my fucking turn to bring it <laughs> back around. That's a really aggressive point. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a. Uh, I did just point very aggressive. You did. That was a really aggressive point. It was really um, like, but like your forearms looked really good. So like, I wasn't mad. Yeah. I just was saying. Um, you earlier talked about how, uh, this that we were talking about how we as two neurodivergent people, like what? How does our, how do we? How does our relationship work? Yeah. How do we? How do we help each other? How do we, um, balance our various neurodivergencies against each other? How do we help, uh, enforce each other's systems? And how do we? How do we? How do we exist within each other's space in a way that is more good than bad? Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, and and like twofold, and and I I want to be careful here, not to say like if you're autistic, seek seek an ADHD partner or vice versa, because no, Lord knows about your experience. Like okay. I feel like I constantly feel like, absolutely constantly feel like that we have found this weird balance between the two of us and yeah. how our minds work and how our neurodivergencies impact our behavior that is so perfectly balanced and so perfectly in tune with one another in terms of you, your strengths are my weaknesses and my, my, um, my strengths are your weaknesses. Except we both forget to take out the garbage. I know we do because <laughs> because because let's be right. Like so bad at taking out the garbage. Autism, autism, and and ADHD just share doesn't exist. Until just a it's whole like, fuck, it's trash day. Whole whole bunch of comorbidities. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, that was okay. Well, okay. What well, are you? No, I'm okay. Okay. Uh, one last hard hitting journalistic question. If you had one piece of good, good husband advice to give to a partner who might be struggling to understand or accept or have patience with their partner's neurodivergency, what is your like primo supremo? I don't, I've never said primo supremo before in my entire life and I don't know why I just went with it now, but here we are. I'm committing to it. Your primo supremo, most excellent Reno piece of advice for that person. Um, and this, also don't look at the the timer. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I see you it's looking because you're um, trying to get it right. This this is something. If you've listened to one of Katie's lives that I've been on, this this is this is a philosophy thing that I've stated a few times over. Um, I believe there are like um uh three great goals that we as people can have in life. Um. One is uh, to see your enemies driven before you. Well, one, one, two have to do with um, yourself. Uh, and I guess I guess it's technically four things, though I often think of it as just three. That was a really funny joke, Chris. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the, the, the first step is the, the first two steps are to um, strive to better understand yourself to to have a comprehension of who you are and how you engage with the world and um and point number two to become the best version of yourself you can be that sounds really hard um i know and and (laughs) that's why you literally should spend your entire life working on it don't don't think of this as something that you have to do immediately it's just something that that you put a little work into every day and maybe by the end of your life you'll have figured it out. Um and then then so that's that's what you can do for yourself. And already I believe that if you're if you're doing those two things, then you will be a better part partner for whoever you're with. And you're going to be a better person for anyone that you meet and anyone you get along with, whether you're in a relationship with them or not. Um and the second thing, once you once you've once you are putting in that work to better understand yourself and be the best version of yourself, um, the the second step is to try to understand someone else and try to help them become the best version of themselves you can. Um, they can. Um, and that's that's a wicked oversimplification. And, and it's not like practical advice. It's not like... Well, just do the, you know, if if you're better at doing the dishes and they're better at doing the laundry, then you do the dishes and they do the laundry. Like, that's our relationship. <laughs> but, like, like I know that, you know, it's not practical advice that may not be as useful. But, like, if if you are working to be, to better understand yourself and be the better version of yourself, it will be all the easier to then start the process of understanding who you're with, whether you're a friend or roommate or partner or husband or wife or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Um, that, that taking the time to, to be empathetic, to try and understand where they're coming from, even if you 
don't agree with it or don't, you know, even if, you know, your thinking is binary and they live in shades of gray world or vice versa, um, understanding, you know, and I, and I think this is true of you. You understand that I'm often binary in my thinking. And I understand that, you know, fundamentally that you see all the gray that I don't. Um, and being able to have that comprehension, even if it's something I struggle with, even if it's something you struggle with, um, it, it changes things. That's a really nice answer, Chris. Correct. A plus. Good job. Thanks. You got them all right. I've been keeping score this whole time. Yeah, my burnout talent and gifted self is very pleased by this response. <laughs> wait, wait, Pi- wait. Do you consider yourself a burnout gifted kid? End of podcast. <gasps> Cliffhanger. You son of a bitch. Mm-hmm.